Hi there, Rachel here. If you're listening to this episode in May of 2024, I have some big news. After selling out during the holiday season, my Flex of Gold journal is available for pre-order right now and will be shipping to your home by the end of June. To celebrate, we're running an amazing pre-order sale for Mother's Day. Purchase the journal before May 13th and you'll get $10 off every journal. This is our best price of the year, even better than Black Friday, so it's the perfect time to stock up for gifts for family and friends. This three-year journal helps mothers to notice, savor, and write down the fleeting golden moments that they experience with their children each day. So go to 3in30podcast.com slash flexofgold to reserve your copy, and you'll also see our brand new cover colors, as well as our new cover option, which is a wipeable vegan leather. So again, go to 3in30podcast.com slash flexofgold to pre-order your journal, and from now until Mother's Day 2024, they'll be marked down by $10 each. I can't wait for you to experience the magic of this beautiful gratitude journal for mothers. You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, Episode 185, How to Talk to Kids About LGBTQ Topics. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. For some time now, I have been wondering how to talk to my children about LGBTQ topics. Maybe some of you have been wondering that too. In many ways, it feels like this should be a simple and straightforward conversation to have. And for some of you listening, it may be. But for others, it may feel complicated because of the messages you've internalized about homosexuality and gender identity from your culture, your family of origin, or your religion. As with all important conversations, this will be an ongoing discussion in my home, not just a one-and-done thing. My first conversation with my kids was to simply define what it means to be gay. I told them that when someone is gay, they're born feeling romantic love and physical attraction for people who are the same sex as them. From there, we've had more conversations that build a little each time, including the fact that sometimes people who are gay are not treated fairly, and that is not okay. Everyone deserves not just tolerance, but also respect, inclusion, and equal rights. Whenever I talk to my children about topics like these, I always try to think about how I would explain it to them if they themselves were experiencing it. Because as mothers, we don't know who our children will grow up to be or what they will face or experience in their future. Realizing that, I want to teach my kids about sexual identity through a lens that is shame-free and unconditionally loving. We just finished a four-week-long focus on the podcast for Mental Health Awareness Month in May, and in many ways, today's discussion will be a continuation of that, because as you will hear in this episode, LGBTQ children and youth are some of the most at risk for suicidal ideation and death by suicide. This is why we must know how to talk to our kids about these topics in a way that will anchor and strengthen them. Our guest today is Allison Dayton, a mother of three who is the founder of the Lift and Love Foundation, which was created to support LGBTQ individuals and family through education, support groups, and free and reduced cost therapy. In the interview, you'll hear Allison share about her deep personal connection to the LGBTQ community and why she's so passionate about helping parents and their kids create a more supportive and inclusive world. Allison understands that conversations around sexual orientation and gender identity may be new to a lot of us, so in this episode, she breaks down three simple roles that we can take on as we begin to have more of these discussions in our homes. We can be a teacher, we can be a shelter, and we can be a connector. 
I can't wait for you to hear from Allison, but first, it's a new month, which means a new sponsor. I am so thrilled and grateful to announce that our June episodes are being brought to us by Bravery Magazine, an incredible quarterly print publication for children ages 6 to 12. Each issue of the magazine centers around a strong female role model and includes original stories, fun DIYs, hands-on STEAM activities, and more. The newest issue of Bravery could actually be helpful with talking to your children about LGBTQ topics because it features the late Bernice Bing, who was an abstract expressionist painter, a Chinese-American, an activist, and a member of the LGBTQ community. As is the case with every issue of Bravery, the magazine introduces many aspects of her life, her profession, her work, her culture, and there are several pages in the magazine devoted to talking to your kids about LGBTQ topics and Pride Month. If conversations around this topic are new to you and you want to preview the LGBTQ content, you can visit the Bravery Magazine blog where they show exactly what's included. And while you're there, you can also check out their past issues of the magazine and order any that catch your eye as featuring someone that might fit with your child's interests, such as astronaut Mae Jemison, artist Frida Kahlo, swimmer Yusra Mardini, and primatologist Jane Goodall. I'm grateful to partner with this company that is dedicated to providing inclusive resources to inspire, educate, and empower children to be their own kind of brave. To find out more, go to braverymag.com and use the code 3in30 for 10% off. That's 3in30 for 10% off. Our second sponsor this month is one that I hope you've become familiar with over the past couple of months. I'm honored to continue my partnership with jane.com. Jane is a highly curated online boutique marketplace featuring the latest in women's fashion trends, accessories, home decor, children's clothing, and more. Jane features hundreds of new products every day, most of them from small shops and vendors around the country who want to get the word out about their products, so they offer them at exclusive sale prices on jane.com for a limited time. I recently used Jane to order the world's cutest personalized doormat for our front porch. I love it. A little porcelain planter to keep on my desk uh, beside me while I'm working with like a little succulent inside and a really darling leopard print top for summer. If you're interested in checking out what Jane.com has to offer, they actually helped me create a curated shop page, especially for 3 and 30 listeners with some of my favorite items displayed. I almost felt like I was registering for my wedding again as I went through their huge inventory and said, I want that on the 3 and 30 page. I want that on the 3 and 30 page. It was so fun. You can see the deals that I handpicked for you at jane.com slash 3 and 30. And remember that the deals change often. So check back. That's jane.com slash 3 and 30. And now onto the show. This is how to talk to your kids about LGBTQ topics. Here we go. Allison, welcome to 3 and 30. Ooh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to finally get down and talk with you. Yes, we have been talking on Marco Polo the last few weeks about this and figuring out how we wanted to talk about this topic that can seem complex and nuanced. And at the heart of it, we are just two moms that want to teach our children and model for them how to be loving and self-loving and inclusive and anchored and fair and particularly when it comes to their LGBTQ peers, which we're going to get into a little bit in the interview, how much more at risk that group of kids is. And you have some unique life experiences, Allison, when it comes to this topic that has given you kind of a unique perspective. And I was wondering if you could start off by telling us a little bit about your family and your history with LGBTQ topics. Sure, sure. Yes, I grew up in Utah. I was in high school in the 80s. 
And um, when I was about mid high school, I realized my oldest brother was gay. And he'd left home. Being in a conservative culture for him was really painful. He had tried his whole life to get rid of the gay or outrun it and obviously wasn't able to. And it was really interesting because it sort of occurred to me and I, I said it to my mom, is he gay? And she said, yeah, he is. And, you know, as I look back and I've reflected on that moment a million times, there was no judgment in her voice. Mm-hmm. It was just, yeah, he's gay. Mm-hmm. And he's still your older brother and he's still like the most creative and fun and intelligent person you'll ever know. And, you know, so nothing really changed. My brother really struggled. He came out in the early 70s to my parents. And I mean, my parents had no idea what to do. None. And the research and the doctors weren't great then. It was thought to be sort of a malady or, you know, a problem with somebody's personality or something like that back then. Or something that the mom and dad did to them. She was too involved or the dad was too neglectful or, you know, all sorts of things. So my brother, his mental health was never great. He tried so hard and to be, he was so incredibly creative and talented and amazing and just such a big personality, but he got worse and worse. And about four years ago, he really took a dive and he ended up taking his own life. Hmm. And while that was so hard, one of the hardest parts of it was that it was right as my oldest son was coming out. And I knew, I knew the signs. We'd wondered and we'd talked to him about it. And I could see that he was trying so hard to outrun it Mm. and to not be gay, but he was, and he was coming out. So we had this complex situation of how to deal with the death of my brother and strengthen this child at the same time. And it was hard. It was a hard time. Yes. I am so sorry about the loss of your brother. Thank you. I've had suicide in my story and my family, and it's a loss like nothing else. It's a pain that is indescribable to know that someone that you love that much is suffering that much. Right. And then to lose them. And that you couldn't help. Yes. Yes. You couldn't help. I mean, it leaves you with so many questions and just guilt. And I mean, it's it, yeah. it is so painful. And I told you this, but his, the anniversary of his death was yesterday and was mm. very hard for me, but it's, it's always good to remember him intensely. Yes. And I think it's important that we kind of start this conversation with that context, because talking to our kids about LGBTQ topics is providing a more safe world for those who are LGBTQ as well as possibly for our own children, not only because it will make them more loving, bigger hearted, more understanding, but also they may face these things someday. And we may not know that now, what our children will someday face and the way that we talk about it and teach them about sexuality and gender issues and all of these things is formative for when those later years and how their mental health and their mental wellness will sort of weather whatever comes their way, you know, issues. And you have a lot of research that you quote about this topic. Can you tell us a little bit about that, about the risk to LGBTQ youth? For sure. Well, let me just tell you quickly. So 
you can check your own states, but in Utah, we do the Utah SHARP survey and it's student health and risk prevention survey. And it's done every other year. And children are asked about a bunch of things that pertain to their mental health and how their home life is. It's an evaluative form to find out what's going on with these kids and how they can help. And for the first time in 2019 in Utah, they allowed students to respond if they were heterosexual or straight in parentheses, gay or lesbian, bisexual, or not sure. And this was given to kids in the 8th and the 10th and the 12th grade. So for heterosexual, it was 88%. For gay or lesbian, 1.5%. Bisexual, 5.4%. And not sure or other was 4.9%. So if you put those together, those that do not identify as straight, you get 11.8% of these children. And that is one in eight and a half kids. Wow. So when you're talking about like preparing your children in case, you're likely one in eight of their friends are going to be dealing with this. Yes. And it's extremely common for youth who are LGBTQ to have suicidal ideation and to die by suicide because as they wrestle with sort of aligning these different parts of their identity and their culture and will they be accepted? And if they've been raised in a religious culture that has taught them something and then they're trying to reconcile it with what they feel and hopelessness and depression. They they can't outrun it, right? And do you have some of those statistics? Yes, let me give you some stats from the SHARP survey. And again, the SHARP survey, it's a a national survey. So you can look in your own states for your numbers, but they're going to kind of pair with these. This, This is eighth graders and 10th graders. Did you make a suicide plan in the last year? For heterosexual kids in the eighth grade, it was 10%, almost 11. And in the 10th grade, it was 12%. If they were gay or lesbian, they responded 41% of those kids made a suicide plan. In the 10th grade, 38.5. And if they were bisexual, again, the same close numbers. Wow. And then for those who attempted suicide in the last year, 6.4% of the kids responded that they had attempted. And that's in the eighth grade, 10.7 in the 10th grade. So we have a real, we need to talk about this for all kids. Yes. Yeah. But 30% of the respondents who identified as gay or lesbian or bisexual had attempted suicide 41% in the 10th grade. Mm. 41%. Yeah. So you can see like these numbers, they're scary. Yes, they are scary. And like I said before, talking to our kids about this can give them some protection if they themselves face this, but they can also be the friend that helps their friend know that they want them to live, you know? So it's just so important that we have these conversations to protect all kids. Well, and I know there's an old kind of feeling that if you bring up suicide, that it gives kids ideas. Mm -hmm. And they've proven that not to be the case. In fact, one of the best ways to prevent suicide is just to ask somebody, do you feel like hurting yourself? Yeah. You just ask. And if anybody is really there, they will likely be honest with you and say yes. And this goes for adults too. Most people are desperate. And relieved to have somebody ask. Yes. And I would add that I feel like some parents may feel similarly about talking to their kids about homosexuality or gender issues, that they're afraid that if they talk to their kids about it, that they will 
cause those issues within their kids. Right. What have you found as you've researched this? Well, so first of all, my first point is that as parents, we want to be teachers. As Mm. moms, we want to be teachers. So this is our first takeaway. This is the first takeaway, right? Yes. If we're not teaching our children, they're finding out on the internet or they're finding out from friends and that is shaping their belief around this, Mm. especially when they're young. We want to be there to help them understand by the time kids are first and second grade, they know about LGBTQ people. Yeah. And they talk about it with their friends and it's very normalized now in elementary schools and junior highs and high schools. Yeah. I often say on the show, one of the major themes is that you are your child's most important teacher. Yeah. You are the one that needs to have, if possible, the first conversation about, you know, a lot of different topics, racism, pornography, sex, and now we're talking about gender issues and sexual orientation How would you recommend that moms, especially if they themselves feel ill-equipped, they don't know a lot about this, how can they start these conversations with their kids and be good teachers to their kids about this topic? Well, I think first we have to figure out what we believe. And I think a good thing to do is put together a list of what are my beliefs and where did these come from? And then another question, how did I get to these and do I know enough about them? Mm Because a lot of the stuff we capture in our lives, in our brains, a lot of beliefs are kind of just from other people. Yeah. Have we researched out the ones that feel troubling to us? Have we Mm. studied? Have we talked to our friend who has a gay child? Or better yet, have we talked to a a neighbor who is gay? Mm -hmm. Hey, what would you have wanted as a child? What could somebody have done to help you navigate your life as a child? Yeah. What is your experience in the world Mm -hmm. like? Can you tell me more about this? And I think if we are feeling unsure or even a little bit scared of something to like move towards it and learn about it versus sort of spouting out maybe half truths that we think we may know about it or like we've sort of absorbed from like media representations or like even this morning I sat down and I did some research on what is Pride Month. I mean, I think I kind of know what is the pride flag represent? Like I had never sat down and actually figured that out. So how can I really teach my kids about it? Research this stuff and learn. You have to be a learner before you can be a teacher. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think there's no, there's no harm because this is coming home to you. It might be your neighbor. It might be your niece or your nephew. It might be your child in my case. And I had to learn because my brother's life, when my son started coming out, I was panicked. My brother's life was so painful and I didn't want that for my son. Mm -hmm. So I had to really dig in, study and say, okay, that's his life. This is where we're going. Yeah. And I recently heard, um, I've listened to a lot lately trying to prepare for this interview, so I can't remember where I heard this, but a woman said that when she went to her religious leader and told him about her sexuality, I think she was bisexual, that he said, I don't know a lot about this. Where can I learn more? And how can I help you to know that you're still welcome here and you're still safe? Isn't that so good? And I thought, what a beautiful response just to say to someone, even to your children, if they come to you and they say, what do you think about this, mom? I heard this at school or that to say, I don't know a lot about that. Why don't we learn about it? And how can we help people to feel safe regardless of what their experiences are? I love that. And it brings us to my next point, which is mom's shelter. Mm -hmm. As moms, we want to take care of 
our kids. We want to take care of their friends. I mean, we tend to be shelterers, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a great Heidi Swap, the scrapbooker, yes, who lost her son with mental illness, and she lost him to suicide about six years ago. She has a great story about being first responders. Mm-hmm. So it goes like, you know, let's see, the fireman shows up at your house, and your house is burning down. And the fireman says, who started this fire? What? I can't believe you had a propane tank so close to the back of your house. Why would you do this? Like, what's happening here? I can't trust the fireman. Could you put out the fire? And then we can talk about this. Like, help me first. And then let's sit down and investigate. Yes. So it's this idea of a first responder who comes and takes care of you in your need. Mm. And that as parents, we can be first responders. I've heard Heidi say we want to be first responders instead of first reactors. Right. You know, like the first responders, when they come to an accident, they say, is everyone okay? They make sure everyone is safe and okay before they start figuring out what happened and all of that. Well, and they interview everybody, right? Yes. You know, I'm a first reactor for sure as a parent. (laughs) My kids are all out of the house now, but if I could do it again... Yeah, that's the first thing. So your daughter comes to you and she's like, mom, my friend says she's gay or she's Mm non-binary. Oh, wow. You don't want to freak out because all of a sudden they're going to say, oh, not a safe subject at this house. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go back and talk to friends about it. Instead, you say, wow, that must have been interesting. What did you learn? What did she tell you? Mm. And I think this is the really important part is teaching our children to be a safe space, but not have to absorb everything. Mm -hmm. We can teach them to say to their friends, wow, that's interesting. Or I'd never heard of that. Or I'm really interested in knowing more about what you think. Mm -hmm. And then we teach them to come home to the dinner table and say, mom, guess what I heard? And we say, wow, that's really interesting. What do you think about that? Mm-hmm. And what could we learn, which I don't know about. I don't have any idea. Rather yeah. than saying, that sounds bizarre. They just made it up. Or I'm sure she's just questioning, you know, because that allows your child to come to you as a first responder. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, if I go to my parents and talk about this, they're going to listen and we're going to have a great conversation. Yeah. And I love the idea of having conversations with your kids and admitting to them that you don't know everything and that you're grappling too. Yeah. So if you have questions about how this fits in with your religious beliefs or anything else, you can say to your kids, yeah, I'm grappling with that. Let's pray about it. Let's study it. Let's figure it out together. You don't have to always come across as like this authority who knows and this sort of black and white dogmatic view of the world. You can admit to them. I don't know if I agree with the stance on this that we might hear at church. I'm thinking about it. I'm praying about it. And we're allowed to have different opinions at our church or in our family. And we're still welcome here, even if we all have different opinions and we can learn and grow together. Right. And we want to allow that in other people. Yes. And oftentimes I have to say it in my learning, it's often the people that I don't agree with that I get the most information from because I see where they're coming from, or I see what pain points they're reacting to. And then I can adjust my belief with my faith, with my understanding to fit. Mm -hmm. Yes. So as we shelter these children, here's some numbers. And San Francisco State University did a big research study. It's called the Family Project. You can look it up. It's fascinating. And it talks about children who are highly rejected versus children that are accepted in their family. So LGBTQ children who are 
highly rejected in their family are eight times as likely to attempt suicide, six times as likely to report high levels of depression, more than three times as likely to use illegal drugs, and more than three times as likely to be at high risk for HIV and sexually transmitted diseases. Mm. So interestingly, what highly rejected looks like is physical and verbal abuse, which you would expect, blocking access to other LGBTQ friends, mm. excluding them from family activities, pressuring them to be more or less feminine, more or less normal, quote unquote, or saying that God will punish them for who they are. Mm. And these are all highly rejectable qualities. Like these are the qualities that we put on children. Yes. And we need to do it a different way, regardless yeah. of what our beliefs are. And we need to be a shelter, like you yeah, said, for kids totally. to feel accepted, to feel safe. And I really think that leads really well into your third takeaway of, so we've had moms as teachers, moms as shelter. And what's your last takeaway? The last takeaway, and we kind of hinted to do it, is moms who connect. And we are in a fractured world. Hmm. And even families through these last years were so disconnected because of beliefs about masks or beliefs about politics. And we need to get connected again, mm -hmm. especially communities, churches, families. We need connection. And we as moms can do the work of teaching our kids to connect, not always believe and, and agree with everything, but connect, and love and accept. Mm, yeah. How do we do that? Well, we have to listen and we teach our children in those conversations at night when they're telling us these stories that they've heard or these beliefs that they've heard from other people. If they can bring their friend's sexuality to the table, they can bring their own sexuality to the table, their own interests of sex to the table, their friend's ideas politically, all of that can come to the table and you can talk about it and they know you won't freak out. They know you're going to talk about it with them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you start creating a place in your family where you can talk about anything, your children know that there is nothing that will take them outside of your family. Outside of your love. And what yeah. a beautiful gift to give your children. And if you can, neighbor children and cousins and nieces and nephews and all of those we come in contact Yes. Yeah. And just, isn't that ultimately the thing that every one of our children wants to know is that they will never be outside the bounds of our love, you right. know, and, and not even our children. That's what every one of us as individuals want to know yeah. as grownups. Like there's nothing that I could do that would make me fundamentally unlovable to the people yeah. who I care about the most that they accept me for who I am and that they see worth and value in me. And ultimately, I feel like that is the thing that I want my kids to know more than anything else that I teach them. And whenever I have conversations with them about any of these topics that feel a little bit heavier, I always try to come back to that and end with that. You can talk to me about anything and I will love you no matter what. And the way that we prove that, we can say that all we want. You can talk right. to me, about, but the way we prove that is by not freaking out and by listening and being open when our kids come to us with their questions. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, my kids have taught me more than I probably will ever teach them. Bringing these questions to the table, things that I had never considered 
I mean, I've learned a lot of this from my kids because they are out on the streets hearing it. I'm in a bubble with my friends and my church and my, yeah. you know, they're the ones that are informed and they are the ones grappling with this and they become the teachers. And if I've got a child who knows they are loved, knows how to connect people and knows how to understand other people, that is a strong, healthy child. Yes. Yeah. Regardless of whether they're LGBTQ or whether they have a learning disability or, you know, yeah, it's a principle that works. And I have to say, I've studied a ton about mm. LGBTQ issues. It's rocked my faith. It's been hard. Mm. But in the end, it's strengthened my family and it has strengthened my faith in God. Yeah. And you have really taken all of your life experience and what you've learned and what you believe and turned it into your organization, I have. Lift and Love. And I would love for you to tell us a little bit about your work and if moms listening want to learn more from you or if they have a child that mm. has come out to them, what resources do you have for them? So Lift and Love just started as this little Instagram account, just kind of trying to buoy up other parents. And we've turned into a support group. We have five support groups. We have podcasts. They are LDS specific in most cases. However, I have lots of Christian followers, mothers who find a lot of the same information relevant because parents of LGBTQ kids who are religious get squeezed. Mm. And it is painful and there's not a lot of good help there. So we're building curriculum for parents to help with when their child comes out, how to deal with their faith community, how to deal with extended family, especially the older family who doesn't believe LGBTQ children or thinks something can change there. We just are working on a lot of different angles of supporting families through this because if the family supported, the child is supported and they are all healthy. Yes. And I have loved following along on your Instagram. One of my mm -hmm. favorite things is the spotlights that you do of different moms who have gay children and reading their experiences and their deep love for their children. And some of them wish that they would have done things a little differently when their child first came out to them. Right. And just the humanity behind it. It takes an issue that may seem kind of foreign or out there, those people, you know, and it, and it brings it, it makes it personal. So if you don't know anybody who's in the situation, just reading these spotlights, you get so much empathy and perspective for LGBTQ people, children and teenagers, especially, as well as for their family members who are loving them. So thank you so much for the work you're doing. And I'll link that in the show notes. Thank and you. Yeah. Just, I so appreciate this conversation and thank you for coming on three and 30. Oh, thank you for having me. And thank you for caring about this issue. I want to add to what Allison just said there and thank all of you who are listening for caring about this issue. It's so very important. And I commend you for being a conscious parent who's thinking deeply about this and many other topics that are impacting our children and youth today. I just have to add that being a part of this community of moms gives me so much hope and strength, and I hope that you feel that too. By way of recap, remember that Allison recommended that we take on three major roles as we approach conversations about sexual orientation and gender identity with our children. First, be a teacher. 
Our children are going to hear about and see LGBTQ relationships and people in the world around them starting very young, and it is our responsibility to give them the context they need in order to understand these topics and how to be inclusive. Remember, before we can be teachers, we have to be learners. If you don't know much about LGBTQ topics, that's okay. Start learning, and most importantly, talk to LGBTQ people about their experiences. I hope to have some LGBTQ guests on the podcast in the future to learn more about how we can support children who are coming out and make sure that they feel safe and supported. Second, be a shelter. Remember that, above all, it matters tremendously that our children feel safe coming to us. It's important to be a first responder, not a first reactor. So when your children make comments about their own sexuality or that of their friends or peers, even if they're trying to make it seem like it's an offhand comment, respond with openness, curiosity, and love. They may be testing to see how secure the shelter of your love really is. And third and finally, be a connector. In our ever-divided world, we can be an influence that takes the time to connect with other people and listen to them. And we can teach our children how to do this too. I loved when Allison said, if I have a child who knows they are loved, knows how to connect with people, and knows how to understand other people, that is a strong, healthy child. My challenge for all of us this week, my friends, is to do one thing to start the conversation about LGBTQ topics with our kids. That might mean actually having a simple conversation with them about what it means to be gay, or it might mean doing some learning ourselves first. Spend some time looking at reputable articles about what the pride flag means, or have a conversation with a neighbor who is gay or who has a gay child, or maybe check out Bravery Magazine, their newest issue about Bernice Bing, and look at the resources that they have curated there about talking to kids about LGBTQ topics. You can't go wrong with just starting somewhere. I want you to know that I'm on this journey with you too, and I'm so incredibly grateful for the opportunity to do this podcast and to learn with you every week. As always, I'm rooting for you, and I hope you have a beautiful week with your family.